guys welcome back to bob's on loop glad to have you it's just uh kyle right now bob's is in uh her workshop doing making some roach clips she's got some handmade roach clips uh that she got some orders for uh that you can check out on her uh, site bob's beauty shop on facebook and instagram uh like i said my name is kyle with uh, bob's on loop we have a special guest today with us uh he's joining us again josh sadek better known as Kelki, uh, and that's on Spotify, uh, Spotify, K-V-L-K-I, and uh, anywhere you can uh, get music. Where all can you hear uh, your music, Josh? Welcome to the show, by the way. Let me pause my uh, music here. You can find me anywhere you want, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. I have most of my songs up, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify. Um, and actually, it's uh, I release my music through DistroKid, which is an online platform for artists to release music. So it's a distributor, and they put it pretty much everywhere: iTunes, anywhere you look, you can find uh, Calky. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, we said we we're going to have you back on when you were a bit closer to uh, releasing Dystopia. So uh, tell us how that is going, and uh, how much uh, closer are we now? Well, you know. Dystopia is probably going to be coming out in, I'm hoping, January. Uh, basically, all the songs are done. Um, all the mixes are virtually done. I'm just trying to get them, like, perfected. So right now we're, like, trying to get the vocals to the right level and everything like that. But I got to say I'm really excited about it because uh, I think this is one of the strongest performances. It's one of the most complete projects that I've ever put out. Um, it explores life in lockdown. It explores, you know, life in COVID-19. It explores, you know, like love and the concept of social, being socially distanced as a society, but also as individuals, you know, like in relationships, being socially distanced. So those are like some things that I thought were really cool to like, relate and to explore through my music and whatnot. Now, tell me, when you're uh, recording, are you, do you kind of go in with a plan and you just wait till you get to that? that point or are you constantly listening fixing adjusting you know where it's almost hard for you to to you know press the done button and, and, and you know call it a recording what up though hey, hey. <laughs> look who it is yeah bob's, bob's is here now i crawled out of my hole now i'm i'm gonna go s smoke a cigarette and i have more roach clip orders Awesome. See, I, I, right I, I plugged the roach clips a little bit. Yo, dude, she's like the Bob Marley Jr. <laughs> I know. She's like the, the, the Bob's Marley. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes. Oh. Well, we're glad to be uh, back recording again. We're uh, here with Kelki talking about his new uh, album coming out, Dystopia. So um, going back to my uh, question earlier, do you, do you consider yourself, you have a plan, you get it done, or are you constantly changing and, uh, you know, tweaking songs? You know, part of my brand is Taoism, and Taoism is, a, uh, is about embracing the spontaneity of life. Uh, and uh, I think that creativity works like that. Like, I don't really, I mean, I... I don't really have a plan, to be honest with you. I, the plan emerges as I go along. You know, and I think that's actually the, the, the way that life kind of is. It unfolds as you as you walk. It manifests itself as you walk in that direction. So, you know, at a certain point, there's an area where you realize that you've been making songs consistently, where there's like maybe some kind of theme that you were exploring and you didn't even realize it. 
And that's why music is so cool because it's like self-therapy, you know, like you start, you know, channeling your subconscious through the creative realm that you choose or the creative medium that you choose. And then you look at all that and you're like, oh, I'm talking about these things. These are the things that are kind of in my mind, you know, and then maybe at that point I start, you know, like kind of refining it a little bit. It's like, well, if that's what I'm talking about, then let's explore that direction with other things and whatnot, you know? So it's a little bit just like it kind of emerges and then you kind of, when you see the framework emerging, then you start, you know, like building around that infrastructure. Yeah. And I know you mentioned, um, a, a few of your themes, but, um, and I know recent events have definitely, uh, contributed to that. What do you think are kind of the main factors in, uh, creating this album? Well, you know, part of it is just like, you know, this was the first year that I had a lot of, a lot of a time and B, you know, resources at my disposal to record. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I write from my experience, you know, and like this was all recorded in 2020, you know, like during 2020. And a lot of things happened in 2020 that were kind of, you know, like obviously shocking for everyone. Like my life was somewhat uprooted, you know, like I have left New York City. Now I'm going back. But like, uh, what is that? I left New York City to go to Vermont. Then I ended up in Buffalo. In Buffalo, I watched, you know, like my city burn down from like the news and stuff like that. You know, uh, what is it? I saw an industry that I worked in, the restaurant industry and the nightclub industry kind of get destroyed. Uh, what is it? Uh, for the first time in my life, I was on unemployment. Uh, and it also simultaneously explores a relationship that I have with somebody who lives outside of this country. You know, so in that sense, you know, that was a, you know, a relationship that has grown over time stronger. But, you know, like it was tumultuous before 2020, but also during 2020. But I think 2020 was the turning point. So, you know, it's about exploring the concept of distance in the sense that there was, you know, they're telling us to be distanced for our own health. And there was a point with this relationship where I thought maybe, you know, like I said to myself, maybe distance is healthy for us, too. You know, in the sense that, like, we should socially distance because we have a toxic relationship. But, uh, you know, the, the thing that I hope inspires a little bit of truth and love in people is that me and this person managed to work out a lot, you know, like in our time, you know, it came to a point where almost like we were going to like cut our, each other out of our lives, you know. And in mm -hmm. fact, we had we maybe have done that once or twice, you know, but like we always seem to, you know, find a way or we're attracted to draw each other back together closer. And I hope in that kind of experience uh, I don't know if that album explains it as explicitly as I'm explaining it now, you know, in terms of like, this is all like a very like well thought out, rationalized, you know, kind of explanation of it, but it explores the feelings and the sentiments around that, you know, mm -hmm. and the idea that, you know, like if two people can find a way to, you know, grow stronger across distance, then maybe people, despite their physical distance, can learn how to grow closer in their hearts, you know, or like in, in their minds or as people, you know? Yep. I think this pre presented a lot of challenges for all kinds of relationships and, you know, the ones that make it through or become stronger through this, you know, you know, that's worth keeping, you know, in 10 years, they're going to look back at, 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 you know, you'll, you'll listen to your 2020 music and you'll be like, Oh God, there's a the fucking 2020 music again. You'll be able to tell that different from, from any other time period, really. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because, like, uh, the 2020 music, well, definitely this year it's more social commentary, I think, uh, which is almost something that I feel, I hate to say it, but I feel, like, like tired of talking about those kind of things nowadays because, like, you know, one thing that I, I, I do, I'm very philosophical. Like, I don't really judge people about their beliefs. Like, I try to be accepting of everybody, but mm -hmm. I am a debater. Like, trust me, I'm, like, a virulent debater. So, like, I can get into some heated conversations with you, but I, it's all love, you know? Like, I don't really mm -hmm. mind. Like, me and my mom particularly, you know, because I, I went back home to my, to my parents' house, you know, we come from divergent opinions on just about everything. And uh, what is it? I think today, you know, because like there were times when she's like, you know, we should stop talking about this, but we just keep talking about it because we both have our beliefs. But like, if we get into arguments, but like, it's not like, I mean, obviously it's my mom, so of course it's not a problem with that. But for me and people in general, you know, like, if we think different, you know, like, uh, what is it? That's fine. You know, I have a friend online, you know, like, he's a Democrat. 
he pretty much just uh like runs out and like you know like i'm not that i'm like super republican or anything i'm a libertarian but like you know basically my ideas and his ideas clashed you know like and he would like come on to my thing we would argue it out but at the end of it we'd just be like you know what bro we love each other we're friends you know like we hadn't even seen each other or talked to each other for years you know but mm-hmm. at the very end of it like we were able to be like you know what though it's bigger than that you know like we don't have to you know dislike each other it doesn't have to be a personal issue we can respect differences of opinion even though we completely disagree on everything <laughs> yeah absolutely i have some people in my life like that as well but i don't want to get into uh any heated debates with you today except uh you know i guess we can a little bit about the bills because you know i still feel strongly about my uh my january prediction you're right. You're uh, Miami, that Miami's gonna beat us, man. Not as well, not only know. that. Not only is Miami gonna beat you, they're gonna clinch a playoff spot whoa, 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 as whoa, whoa, they whoa, beat whoa, you. Whoa, 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 Was Josh saying Miami's gonna beat no. us? No. I was gonna say I need to hop on. Yo, Kyle, I I don't know if it's mathematically possible for them to do that. I'll tell you no. why. Because we would have to we're two games ahead. So we'd have to lose to the Broncos, to the Patriots. They'd have to win all of their games. And then uh, what is it? Well, we'd have to lose to either the Broncos. No, I'm not taking your. I'm not taking your playoff spot. You all got the AFC East. You all oh, got no. that. I'm just. I just saying, want a measly wild card, man. Just give me the scraps on the table. Oh, you're saying that they're going to basically t- they're going to get in on in the wild card and whatnot. Yeah, Buffalo can still we're win the AFC East, but they're gonna they're gonna get into the playoff spot. I yeah. think that's very possible. Like, uh, what is it? I don't know if it'll be against the Bills that they that they win. Do they have to win their last three games in order to get in? I I don't even know. I think they're they're like um they're they're te- they go back and forth. They're like a game back in the wild card now because they lost to the Chiefs. But I just had this uh, vision in my head of watching the Bills game with uh, with Brittany's dad and watching the Dolphins win and us clinch a playoff spot because of that. Well, you know, it's I, I wouldn't say it's impossible. Like I'm a Bills fan. Like and get and like I ride or die. Like I'm gonna name my son Josh. After <laughs> Josh fucking Allen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not even after myself, after Josh Allen. Oh yeah, no, he. No, not after Josh <laughs> he's not Davis. Josh Jr. Because yeah, he's he's named after Josh Allen. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll have to name him Allen. Maybe that'd be. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what is it? No. Uh, the point is that I I'm diehard. Like I'm a big Josh Allen fan. I was a supporter of his even when people said that he wouldn't pan out. But like at the same time, I know this is very true in the NFL. Anybody can beat anybody. Like, there's literally, and that's because we played the Dolphins, and actually I was surprised when we did because the Dolphins were, they put up, they were, that was the, one of the closer games that we played you know, yep. like with, Fitz, with Fitzpatrick. And I always know, first of all, having Fitzpatrick has been on the Bills and I've seen him play, but I've just seen us play Fitzpatrick. He always gives us a run for our money. Now it's Tua. Yep. Um, I've not actually seen to a play. I know that uh, the thing about him is that he doesn't give away interceptions. He's very efficient with the ball, and uh, he may not have the biggest arm, but he's shifty in the pocket and that he distributes. He's kind of like a Drew Brees-esque kind of like player. And, whatnot. and I'm sure you can have success with that. Uh, the defense, from what I understand on Miami, is lit. Um, Xavier and Howard, is that his name, was leading the league in takeaways? And yeah. stuff like that. They just punished uh, Patrick Mahomes. And I know Josh Allen, uh, sometimes the only thing about him that is sometimes he throws an interception where I'm just like, dude, you are so much better than that. Why did you throw that pick? But he does it. Um, so all I'll say is this, is that I wouldn't put it past anybody. You know, like I don't put things past anybody. I have looked at the Jets' remaining schedule, and I really do not see how they – I I am going to have to say that they're going to be the exception of that rule because I don't see a way they don't go zero and sixteen. I mean, uh, yeah, well, that's true. Okay, the Jets. I first of all, I, I think they're strong. There's a suspicion in my head that the Jets are just tanking. You know, like because that that play, the last play of the Raiders game, where they just like blitzed coverage and stuff yes. like that. Greg Williams. Yeah, what the hell was that? I 
I don't know enough about coverages to really make an ac- accurate say I, that I'm just parroting what I've heard other people say, but like, I wouldn't put it past them because, you know, one thing I do know is that, uh, what is it? Tanking tends to work sometimes. Like as, as sad as it sounds, it, te- it sometimes is an effective means of doing things. He did lose his job over that play call. Oh, he did? Yep. They fired him. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. I so, guess they're not tanking then, because I mean, unless they're just planning on they're doing it in a very in a very weird way. They're doing a great job of it, regardless. They just need to so continue doing what they're doing. Losing. Yes, they are just that bad. But I, wow. I also I do agree with your statement that the you have to make the Bills a legitimate Super Bowl contender now. I mean, you know, well, the addition of Stefan Diggs. That that may have cleared that hurdle that they've been trying to clear, that Josh Allen's been trying to clear in his head, and that the Bills organization have been trying to do for decades. I think Stephon Diggs has been strong as advertised. Uh, I think that was like sometimes things just kind of snap into place. I think Stephon Diggs kind of made it so that he makes everybody better. Mm-hmm. By, you know, like you can't ignore him. Cole Beasley was always strong, but, like, now Cole Beasley is, like, I keep saying to people, like, Cole Beasley's hands are, like, blue, dude. Like, he's really, like, very good. And you can't really keep them open. You know, John Brown is also really good, but also Gabriel Davis is really good. I think that they're all succeeding better because there's it's it's strong in a multivaried way so that you can't just focus on anybody. And Josh Allen is really like his confidence is there. Uh, I think he wisely became a student of the game. I think that, you know, you can't really praise him enough because first, first of all, if you took Buffalo and you just made that a person, that would be Josh Allen. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't try to be that. It's just, that's the way he is, you know, they got that, you know, um, they got that big tight end too. What's his name? He's having a great season. Dawson Knox. Yes. Yeah. Austin Knox, yeah, he's good. I like him. He's, he's he catches it at really good times, and he trucks people when he when he wants to lay people out. He lays them out nice. But, I love seeing that. Yeah, and you can tell tight ends like he might not be having like a breakout season this year, but tight ends will grow into that. Like like take, uh, I mean Detroit Lions. They have T.J. Hawkinson. He was a rookie last year. This year, he's a stud. He's one of the best tight ends in the game. I see that trajectory going for Knox. That he's going to be one of those big tight ends that, you know, can run you over or catch a ball over your head. So, you know, you know what I like about it is just the way the team is built. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, what is it? It's built with a lot of like working class, like powerhouses. You know, like people who it's it's like very Belichickian in a certain way. You know, like they have good players. Like, even Diggs. Diggs is now, people are like, whoa, Diggs is, like, the best in the league. But when we took him, he was probably on the board. There's probably – he was on the border of being elite. He was, like, top-notch to elite. Kind of, you know, like, you couldn't really say – he was on that, like, borderline, you know? Yeah. He just pushed him over the edge. Like, Cole – but all of them, the, the common theme is that they're all, like, workers. You know, like, they all, like, work. It's repetition. It's, you know, like, uh, what is it? You know, growth. And, uh, you know, Josh Allen also, he's like, I think one of the things that people don't give him enough credit for is he had a very high Wonderlick school for, you know, mm-hmm. like he's not a dumb kid. Right. He's, uh, I think he's, he's learned on the fly and he's grown into it and he's embraced all elements of the game, not just the, you know, physical side, but like, you know, the strategy side and the mind side, you know, and I think the, the thing that I like most about him is that he has that clutch gene. You know, like he's got that, you know, like he's got that, like pull victory from the, cl- like the jaws of defeat. Yeah. The so, do your best, never quit mentality for sure. He's got it. I even, I even love the crazy plays sometimes to be honest with you. I mean, I know they're not always in our favor, but like, it's just, it's for some reason, it's just fun to watch. I don't know why it like keeps you on the edge of your seat. Yeah. You know, he's not uh, throwing the ball out of bounds for nothing. He wants to, he, he's one, he wants to make a play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like that about him, to be honest with you. You know, mm-hmm. like I, 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 I encourage him. The thing I would encourage him to do more, actually, 
And I know people don't want to hear this a little bit, but I don't want him to become a running quarterback, but I would encourage him to like establish a little bit more on those rollouts, you know, the threat mm-hmm. of running. Cause I think that'll open up the pass game a little bit more for him, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, he had one early in the game last night. I mean, it was really only like five or six yards, but just the fact that he took the hit, the, the defense felt it like little things like that. They'll remember that the rest of the game and be scared of it. You know, they'll they'll play call for it or keep a spy on them or whatever. You gotta, dude. Like, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we get we are successful. Like, obviously, our pass game is is you know up there, but like you know we can run. We're not elite at running, but we can run. Uh, uh-huh. What is it? Josh Allen's a threat on the ground as well as in the air. Uh, blocking is acceptable. Um, the receivers are, you know, clutch. And I think between those those few things, you know, like, I think, and, oh, DeBull, Brian DeBull, yo, that guy is, that's that's quite an offensive play caller. He dials up some pretty things sometimes, you know, like shit that's just like, even his, ga- his gadget plays are ridiculous. Yeah, you got to give the coaching credit at some point. I mean, they play like a team, and that's not easy to do, so. But the key story, I think, for why I think that we do have a legitimate shot at being, um, and I don't want to get overhyped on the Bills because I know that Bills fans are notorious for being overhyped. But, you know, like trying to stay rational and say what I, I think. One thing, one trend that I see developing that is very encouraging is that they're winning through defense. And, you know, like we're, I mean, when I say that, I mean, we need, I'm a believer that you have to put the spike through the heart. You know, like when you got a, an opponent down, you have to you have to kind of put the final blow in, you know, to really demoralize and to like steal from their imagination the idea or the hope of victory. Right. And the defense has been the form of doing that. Yeah, it's always nice when you have a good defense to, you know, back up when your offense, you know, your offense isn't going to be on. It seems like the Bills were counting on Allen to score, you know, before this season that that they needed to score 30 plus points a game to even be in a ball game. But when you don't have to worry about that, it creates a lot of offense as well. Well, it's, I think it just takes pressure off people. You know, like when you're somebody who knows that or who believes that your entire team is hinging upon your performance, it gets tiring at some point to like really believe that you're the linchpin for whether or not you're going to win or not. Like to be confident, to understand that if you fuck up, then someone can cover for you too. That's important, you know? Yeah. Like they, they put a lot. They put a lot on Allen's arm. I think that the more that the defense is playing, it's going to give him more confidence that he doesn't have to be too perfect, you know? Yeah, and he can make some mistakes and, uh, you know, do those crazy plays and not feel like uh, the whole city's going to, you know, burn him by the effigy, you know? So. Yeah, it's important because, like, I, I know what it's, you know, I know, I think everybody has a sense of what it's like to when the margin for error is, like, negligent to null you know Mm -hmm. like sometimes you mind fuck yourself into just not being able to even perform at a at a basic level you know like i don't think i'm what you're capable of doing because you're trying to be too perfect and if you have a good defense you don't have to like do that like aaron Rodgers is perfect you know patrick mahomes probably at that point too alan i think he has that potential i don't know and he can definitely i don't like he can definitely carry a team but, like, I think it's a lot to ask of him to just be the only source of, of functionality. And he's not. And that's the good thing. Well, listen, man, they, they've they got themselves in the conversation. And they are on a crash course, if they take care of business, uh, dealing with the Chiefs, the Steelers again. Uh, and then, you know, if they, if they make it to the Super Bowl, you're looking at Bills and Packers. And... Uh, that's a, I mean, that's a great game. Man. Defense is great for for Buffalo, but they're shaky, and Aaron Rodgers can pick you apart. 
And that, that game would worry me a bit because I, Josh Allen's not on that level yet. You know, I, I think, uh, what is it? The Chiefs definitely, I think, are a big, are a big obstacle. Um, that's going to be something that we're going to have to contend with at some point. And I don't know what to say, but the Chiefs are not just an offensively great team. They're also a defensively efficient team. So that could be a slugfest. Uh, th- I'm not really worried about the Steelers, to be honest. They did not impress me. Uh, the, mm-hmm. I think the Browns are more of a, you know, like more of a concerning factor. The Titans, I'd be more concerned about the Titans. Interesting. Um, yeah, I've not been seeing what's going on in this Browns game. I have to check on that. Um, yeah, they're uh, both good I, teams. Yeah, they're. Uh, what is it? I, I, I mean, they're teams that can be sneaky good. I think Buffalo can handle them, but like the Steelers. No offense to them. Like I don't want to de- denigrate them, but I. I don't think that whatever happened, maybe they'll get it together. But like, they just didn't seem like they were firing on all cylinders. Uh, the offense just didn't seem threatening. The offense left a lot of meat on the bone. You know, like yep. they had a lot of opportunities that they just kind of like didn't didn't close on. And uh, you know what team you need to watch out for? They are sneaky good, and they might be in the wild card position as the Colts. I mean, they are. Their running back is – I mean, I watched him in college at Wisconsin. He's the real deal. You know, Phillip Rivers is uh, – you know, he reminds me of a Josh Allen type uh, that kind of like sling it, outlaw, make mistakes. You know, he's cut from that same mold. Uh, so, I mean, really, yeah, I would put Colts – I would be more worried about the Colts if I were the Bills than the Steelers. I'm, I'm, yeah, this – I think the Steelers haven't, you know, I don't, they've had a soft schedule to a little, not to say that they haven't beat any good teams because they have. Um, it might be just that they're at that, like, kind of, they're having that little hiccup. Every team has, like, one part of the year where they have a hiccup. Yeah. Um, and, like, the Bills had it around the Chiefs, the Titans, and uh, I can't believe we lost to the Cardinals. That was heartbreaking with that yep. Murray. But, like, <laughs> what is it? Um, generally speaking, I'm proud as someone, you know, coming from Buffalo, you know, like growing up your whole life, the four Super Bowl losses, that's when I first got to Buffalo and seeing so many underperforming seasons, you know, I'm proud of the way that this team is doing. It's, it's an emotional thing. It's, it's, you know, like for the whole city, for everybody. And, you know, I think anybody will tell you that, you know, the, the money that got donated for the Oshai Children's Center on behalf of Josh Allen and uh, Patricia Allen, who died as his grandmother, you know, that's just a, a show of support for the city. And, you know, I like that our team reflects, I think now more than ever, authentically reflects the spirit of what Buffalo is. And they are like the perfect, you know, like representation of us. And, you know, that all as of right now, that's an, like, an amazing thing because they're, they're winning the way that Buffalo wins, you know. Buffalo, the city wins. Like, you might not think that, People would understand that, but I know exactly what you mean. In a different context, being from West Virginia, all we had was West Virginia University, the Mountaineers. The whole state rallied around them. The football stadium became the biggest city on game day and uh, like the biggest city in the state. Um, It holds like 63,000 people. I was from Charleston, which was the second, you know, you know, 60,000 people. But, you know, 1.8 million people in the state is just like die hard, and you want them to represent the state and do well and play like you know the team that you know that they are. And when they don't, you know, when they don't, it's fucking heartbreaking. And uh, when they do, it's like I don't know, refreshing. That's not even the right. That's not even a. That's not even enough emotion. Indicating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Yes. And I, I, you know, I'm still waiting on my vindication a bit and it's, it turns you into a, uh, a sour fan. And, uh, I've always respected, you know, when I met, uh, Brittany and her, and you know, my in-laws, you know, I could tell that they had that same spirit about the bills and, uh, the Sabres even, you know, and, uh, uh, (laughs) there. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I too, I'm somewhat of a fair weather fan in the sense that, like, I, I tune in when, like, because, you know, I do music. I got a lot of things on my plate, you know, and stuff like that. So to a degree, you know, like, I do turn off if, like, I feel like it's just, you know, 
not not as good. There's more diehard fans than me, but that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate it and I don't love, you know, like what it is that the Bills are, you know, like and there's some people there, you know, I'm not even speaking for myself, I'm speaking for the people who watched every single fucking game, win or lose. My brother is like this, you know, like every single fucking game. Yeah. Twenty five years or however long it was. Yeah. You know, win or lose, all the all of Tom Brady, all of Tom Brady. And, you know, right now, like, if the Bills do this, you know, there will be tears. They're like, there will oh, be Oh, yeah. There'll be it'll more be, fires. It'll be so worth it. It'll be so, it'll be like the one bright spot in all of this madness that has happened. And, of course, it would happen during all of this madness because that's, Buffalo's just got a little bit of the wacky to it, too, you know. Yep. So. Well, we got, uh, we got a lot of season to go. I'm thankful they were able to, uh. To, to pull the season off. I mean, I know they've had difficulties with all the COVID, you know, protocols and this, that, and the other. All the protocols and this, that, and the other. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just thankful we're, that we were able to, to, to get football in this season. It was, uh, you know, it, it's nice to watch. Nice to see him out there competing. I know it's tough on players and their families and all that, but it'd be a special year to win it. Sports are, I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit on the last time we talked on our podcast, but sports are such a a great, I think you learn a lot from sports. Uh, I think it's a, it's more necessary than people believe. Uh, Cause it's, it's how you, it's a balance between like militarist, especially football. Because it's like the balance between militaristic strategy and teamwork, you know, and like it's as as much as some people would say theater and dance is an art. I would argue that basketball, football and hockey are in the same way. It's like, you know, it's a competitive art, you know. Oh, there's literally nothing else in the world that would bring that city together or like any major American city right now together as one. Other than a sports champion, it's not going to be the election. It's not going to be any sort of law that they pass or or movement that's always going to be divisive and and horrible for one side but nothing will bring a city together and united like a championship run like that or even a good season you know that's what love it's it. about yep love it i mean i don't want to i don't want to juice anybody up but at the same time regardless of what happens i'll be proud of this team even if we didn't make it to the super bowl cuz they just they they did a lot and it's worth saying but you know, if they can, if they can put that fucking candle on top of the cake, oh my gosh, that would be wow. That'd be something. Josh Allen, they'd have a statue of him. Well, we're gonna have to to call you back up uh, after they after that January third matchup against the Dolphins and uh, get a recap of the season, see where we are. You know, that's gonna be an interesting one, and I think like the Dolphins, I do think that they have a good enough team. I'm surprised that they're on the fringe, to be honest with you, because like uh, they, as far as I'm concerned, they played us really tough. You know, like that first game, they played us really well. And what my, I have a question as someone who watches the Dolphins, what do you think about Tua versus Fitzpatrick? Because I'm gonna be honest with you, I think Pitts, Fitzpatrick is an underrated quarterback. He is he's a gunslinger, and I, I I'm so. I'm not surprised that they want to switch to the the upcoming talent, but at the same time, do you think their odds are better with Fitzpatrick or with Tua? Uh, I personally think their odds are better with Tua. I do think it was a bit of a business decision and like, you know, this is who we got for our franchise. He's going to play. They're probably closer to on the same level right now. And Fitzpatrick might even be a little bit of a head. But you're thinking that Fitzpatrick's on that level right now, and he's been in the league for uh, almost two decades. And you got Tua, who's, I mean, the differences aren't great. Like, he's not that much better than Fitzpatrick right now, but his potential is already to the level of what Fitzpatrick already brings to the table. So give him the keys and let that potential start building up, and maybe next season you'll have a, uh, Kyler Murray type prototype on your hands because Fitzpatrick's, you know, he's not the long term answer. And um, I think they just thought it was kind of a wild card season. They didn't know what to expect. They got a couple wins and they were like, well, we can, let's get two in there and see if we can get a playoff run going. Well, 
I found this shocking, but like the reason why I have so much respect for Fitzpatrick is that I can't pull up the statistics or the numbers, but someone did once for one of the games. I think it was before the the Dolphins game. That guy has historically high numbers. He's actually one of the. I mean, obviously the league is heavily passing now, so it's easy to inflate your numbers in the modern era. But like, he's up there, dude. Like he's it's it's he's not he's like in the top twenty quarterbacks in history surprisingly with a lot of his statistics you know so they don't call him you know he's fitz magic man they don't call him fitz magic for nothing he's an awesome quarterback teammate i'm glad he's on the dolphins he got us to where we are now with getting the few wins in the beginning of the season that no one was expecting you know that's i i think he hit (laughs) it's one of the few times where i can say he played so well that he got himself out of a position because they won a few games. I guarantee you if they were 0-5, he'd have been the starter all season long. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to make any – see, the, the Patriots are actually the more of the question for me. I think the Dolphins are going to look very good next year. Um, I think they're going to be legitimate uh, challenge to the Bills. Uh, I think – what is it? The Patriots I'm – go, I'm going to say that the AFC East could become one of the most difficult – um, divisions in all of football. Uh, if the Patriots manage to turn around, they got something going on there. But also, a lot of their starters are on COVID relief because, like Belichick, just told them all to like take the year off or whatnot. I thought the Patriots might want to try and tank, but they don't have a terrible record. They're not doing poor. They're on the fringe too. Yeah. So, let's well, see what happened? I think I'm going to enjoy the next, hopefully, decade of the Bills and Dolphins being on the top of the AFC East because I'm sick yeah, of the looks, damn Patriots. Yeah, that's – I mean, they could definitely take it because Patriot fans have a reputation for <laughs> – Yes. But, uh, what is, but, I mean, that being said, I still respect Brady. Like, some Bills fans, like, hate Brady and stuff like that. I'm, and I also respect Belichick, to be honest with you. I'm, but Brady, to me, I'm like, dude, you, how can you hate a guy who's, like, fucking won that many Super Bowls that's gone through the whole thing? I know he's kind of got, like, kind of, like, the dark energy, but I think you got to have a little like, – I think people want all these, like, you know, Disney good kind of characters to lead their team. You know, like, they're just the epitome of, like, you know, good and heroism and, like, you know, a positive light. Yeah. I think you got to have a little bit of the dark side to be a great to be a great player. You know, like, you have to have just a touch of a, like – you know what? When the going gets tough, there's no rules. I'm just going to fucking do what I got to do. And, like, I might sneak one in on you that you never saw. And you're going to think it was a little dirty. But you know what? I won the game, so who gives the fuck? And I'm de- I'm definitely rooting for Tom Brady now more than Belichick. And I don't even think that's an AFC East thing. I, I enjoy watching him play a little bit more free for the Bucks, even though, he you know, he's not as good as he once was. But I hope they make the playoffs and – and uh, but I and uh, nah, I can do without the Patriots or Belichick though. <laughs> yeah, for I, sure. I mean, it's they had their whole run and stuff like that. It's just been crushing for you know the division and whatnot. I think a couple of years. Left. I, I I would be interested to see if Belichick turns it around. I want to see what he does. You mm-hmm. know, like because one thing is like, was it more Brady or was it more Belichick or was it just that they just happened to work together really well? Like, which one was it? You know. Uh, I think I'm starting to lean in the direction of maybe it was like they just happened to work really well. They were complementary to one another. Mm -hmm. And uh, a little bit that Brady kind of, you know, took a cut on his contract to like surround himself with talent. But I think they the reason why he's not there is because they screwed him. But like uh, at the same time, I think that I don't know if one was better than the other. I wonder if they just have mutually complementary styles of playing. It'll be interesting to watch for sure the rest of the season play out. Well, uh, let's jump back into uh, your music. Do you have uh, any new stuff that you're working on or just finished? We'd love to hear some if you have it. Yo, man, I'm glad you asked me that question because actually I do. You know, in in before Dystopia drops, I decided I was going to, you know, prep the whole system with a, a kind of quick release um that i came in uh it's a track that's called a force actually you want to hear it absolutely hear a piece of it yeah let's do it all right well this isn't this is actually dropping i should probably rep this a little bit before i just drop it this is dropping actually this friday it's the december 18th so it's coming out real quick you'll be able to hear it 
Um, it's just a track that I did uh, to kind of, you know, kind of prep the system and get everybody ready for a year of releases. And uh, I, it's just a fun song, you know, like, let, it's not, I don't want to say that it has a theme or anything like that. It's just, you know, like the song that I thought, you know what, this is good enough where, I, you know, it's, it's enough to start. It's, a, it's enough to like kind of like prep everybody for, for what is to come. So it's called Force. Let me play it for you. Awesome. That was sweet, man. I love it, dude. I know you're going to like this, but that you know, it did that the beat and the flow, it had a little Marshall Mathers vibe to it. You know, it did. It had a, had a little bit of a tinge to it. I, I can't I can't deny that I've been influenced by that. <laughs> yeah. Be wrong of me. I mean, it's not just the white rapper thing. It's just that, uh, what is it? I mean, in terms of hip-hop music, you know, there's a lot of different ways to appraise and stuff like that. I don't even know if you really should, you know, claim that one guy is the greatest or not because there's so many different ways to look at it. But I will say this. In terms of melding exceptional lyricism um, with out-of-the-box thinking and, you know, like really unique punchlines with, you know, like pop music, you know, like making getting it to the point where it's like it's it's that creative and at the same time simultaneously it's it's pop orientated like people will listen to it just average joes i gotta say dude it's that's an admirable thing that he's built over time and you can listen to his lyrics you can listen to one song 20 times and find new things new little inside jokes and stuff like that and like you know kind of punch lines and you know like different meanings and layers it's it's the point where it's like semi uh what is it shakespearean you know like in the way that he he delivers ideas and i think that's really admirable because right you know i'm a i'm a big believer in uh jordan peterson i don't know if you've ever uh listened to jordan peterson but he's a clinical psychologist i'm going to relate some very disparate things here but he says that you know like and i i agree with this is that if you can uh talk and you can write you know like if you could if you you know, like uh, something along the lines of like writing is such an important thing to teach because writing is like thinking, you know. So if you can become, uh, you know, like a good writer, then you're like deadly because like you're, it's like a way of, you know, like, you know, articulating ideas and like ideas are the main way in which you communicate and, you know, you can just dismantle other people via your ability to write and think, you know. So, uh Marshall Mathers is one of the greatest writers to ever play the game. And it's almost frustrating as someone who tries to write to like live up to like to even try and compare to even try and compete with like the level of, you know, skillfulness that he's that he's made in hip hop music. Yeah, oh absolutely. It's it's fun uh, going down that rabbit hole of going back to the early two thousand music, even the late nineties and you know, you listen to those lyrics and you haven't listened to it in about you know 10 15 years it's uh it it, it passes the test of t- you know stands the test of time that's for sure well it's it stands the test of time but like i'm one of those people who's like the more i look back sometimes especially on hip-hop music for whatever reason 
the more I realize that it's like <laughs> I hate to say this, but it's kind of corny. Even some of the shit that I was like really into, like compared to what some people are doing today, you know, like rap is so competitive that it's like the this, the art form grows at such a quick rate, you know, uh, that like if people who are making music today were rapping back in, you know, like Eminem's day, or at least some of them, you know, like, like I consider Mac Miller to be a decent lyricist. He would have been an amazing fucking lyricist in like the nineties, you know, like, in, like his whole style and swag logic, the same thing, you know, like some of these rappers today are, and those are just popular. I'm not even talking like you talk about like underground people like Locke Smith and stuff like that. Locke Smith was dro- is dropping lyricisms that's like fucking would blow someone out of the water from the '90s. You know, that's that's not in any way shitting on anybody in the '90s. They were they were amazing for their time, but it's just to show you like how much the art form has changed. And actually, I'm kind of intrigued uh, as to how it's changed in a different way now with this kind of like moody vibey kind of music that people are coming out with now i even try to incorporate a little bit of that into my music now you know because yeah i don't don't like to be one-dimensional and i like it you know it opened my eyes to the idea that you know there's many different ways to express yourself it doesn't all have to be through like this very heightened form of like lyrical skillfulness absolutely well we're looking forward to uh dystopia man and uh force comes out Friday, so Force will be on uh, all platforms. All platforms, awesome! Yeah, that Spotify, was a SoundCloud, YouTube, you name it, is going to be out on that. And yeah, I mean, Force is going to be uh, a little bit fun. It's going to be bumping and vibey, but uh, Dystopia—that's like a whole nother thing. It's a lot. It's it's Dystopia's got a different vibe than Force. Force is just like kind of the in, like just greasing greasing the gear, so to speak. Dystopia is going to be very introspective, very deep. Uh, what is it? Fun, uh, comical. It's going to be satirical a little bit. It's it's got a lot of elements to it, and I'm really proud of that work, and I'm really excited to show it to people. Awesome, man. Well, we uh, we love having you on. We want to do it again. And um, like I um, said earlier, we are with a New York rapper, uh, Kelki, better known as uh, Josh Sadek. Uh, you can find him on uh, any of the music platforms at Kelki is K V L K I, and uh, we are Bob's on Loop. We were uh, recording in Myrtle Beach, and uh, uh, Kelki's up in uh, Buffalo right now. But uh, we had a shout out for uh, some Myrtle Beach people for us. Oh yeah, I wanted. To, thanks for thanks for reminding me of that and finding the time to do this because. Uh, one of my friends from Myrtle Beach just died. His name is uh, Ian Ferris, and he was shot. And I just wanted to, um, you know, send out my love to Ian and his family and stuff like that. Uh, I'm, I met Ian's sister in college, and I met Ian through his sister. And it's just really sad. The news just came out uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, I just wanted to send my love to him and, uh, you know, to his family and let them know that uh, I hope that everything's well with them. And, uh, yeah, it's sad because I was just hanging out with Ian New Year's Eve 2019 into 2020. And uh, we were having a blast. <laughs> and, like, I introduced him to all my friends who we had never met, and they all loved him upon sight. He was such, like, a vibrant, fun character. And, you know, like, he's, sadly, he's gone now. So uh, I just wanted to send that out. Thanks for taking the time to do that here. Absolutely. I'm sorry to hear your loss. It's a terrible thing. And, uh, well, Josh, I hope the holidays go well for you, man. The rest of the year closes out for you. We're looking forward to force and having you back on. Uh, if you want to throw out your, um, any of your handles real quick and, uh, well, let's, I want to come back on when dystopia actually drops. It'll hopefully be in January and I'll be able to put a sign on that. Let's, let's meet up then to, to do a, to do a show and talk more about it. Um, but for my handles, you can pretty much find me at, at Calki. It's Cal it's K V L K I on Instagram uh kvlkihh i think on twitter um it's just uh, on youtube i'm actually under sadek music uh because you can't switch i had it over under my old name and i couldn't switch it over but you could probably just have to type in kvlki you'll find me um soundcloud too same thing so awesome well let's have uh let's have bob's come in here and say goodbye okay. I'm glad that she uh joined us for the tail end here What's up, guys? Froze up, I think. I can, uh, well, I'm here in time. Oh, what's Hi. up? Hi. <laughs> Bob 
Bob's herself. Bob's Marley. That was that was one of the best ones. <laughs> that was good. We have to hashtag that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's amazing, dude. Honestly, dude, like that's like I had one for my friend too. She moved to California. Uh, to do some weed trimming, and I nicknamed her Paula Escobar. <laughs> That's awesome. Because <laughs> her name's Paula. And then, have you guys ever seen the, uh, what is it, um, uh, La Madrina? Uh, what is it? I heard of La Madrina. Yeah, there's I haven't this, seen okay, it. Okay, so uh, there's this thing, there's this movie. I, I called it La Madrina because, like, uh, in Colombia, there's this little-known fact that Pablo Escobar was actually trained by this girl who ran a cocaine-like ring. Uh, in the United States, that was almost as large as his, you know, as in the millions or billions of dollars. And her name was Griselda Blanco or something like that. Oh, I remember seeing a documentary on her. Yeah, she's badass. Yeah, dude, honestly, she was like, it sounds like she was like a living terrorist. Because like when I, when you read the things that I report, it's like, yo, she was like fucked in the head and like crazy and fucking a drug lord. She's like, cold as like, ice. That like it makes Pablo Escobar sound kind of like he was a humanitarian because I think Pablo Escobar might have had a side of him that was humanitarian. I'm not familiar with his history, but like her dude, like I just read, I just looked up her Wikipedia because I I nicknamed my friend that, and it said that she enjoyed watching people have bisexual orgies at gunpoint. <laughs> oh my god. That was something that you would make people do, like have like bisexual orgies at gunpoint. I'm like, yo, that is sadistic. That is messed up. That is messed up. <laughs> All right, Josh, it was great talking to you, man. Thanks for everyone listening. And uh, looking forward to check out uh, Force on Friday the 18th. And we'll talk to you closer to when uh, Dystopia drops. All right. Thank you, man. Thank you guys so much for having me on, dude. Much love to you guys. And be safe out there in Myrtle Beach. All right. Later, man. Bro.